This is Daniel Hagedorn from Preparing Kids for Life at PK4L.com, and our podcast is for all things parenting. This is day 37 of our 365-day journey with you. You know, my wife and I, we are so passionate about helping parents reclaim their rightful place as the number one expert on their own kids. So our podcast focuses on time-tested principles any parent can learn and apply to build an emotionally safe home and to help their children thrive. So we talk about every parent's most basic fears because they used to be our fears too. Things like, I don't have what it takes to be a good parent, or I'm not qualified, or I'm going to mess my kids up. You know, as parents, we will do anything to help our kids. And since our ceiling is their floor. We owe it to them to always be learning and growing. So for the next 365 days, you have been personally invited into our experiment. We are committed to walking alongside your journey as your personal outfitters, guides, and allies every day, every step of the way. So one of the things that we've been talking about really up to this point is how to really lay the foundation and the groundwork for becoming an intentional parent. How do you confidently step into that God-given role? How do you, uh, again, this isn't about never making mistakes. This isn't about never having worries or concerns. It's just a a confidence. You, You bring a confidence knowing that, look, my identity is that God didn't make a mistake when he gave my kids to us, right? Uh, God knew what he was doing. So, I have the right kids and I am the right parent for those kids. I just have to, you know, be willing to learn and grow into that role, right? But I don't have to earn my way to that role. It's already mine. It's just really about stepping into it and embracing it. So what we've been talking about is, okay, how do you get to that place? And and really it boils down to a mindset. There is no easy five-step plan to awesome parenting. You just read and check off some boxes and you're good to go. Okay. It'd it'd be great if things work that way. It would be awesome. Like, just like it'd be awesome to have, you know, uh, a fitness regime where eat whatever you want, never exercise, never go to the gym and look like a fitness model. Yeah, that'd be great. I'm sure that would sell a lot of books, a lot of programs, a lot of courses, But it just isn't how it works, and neither is this. You know, we really have to look at ourselves and and understand our kids are going to follow our example, not our words. So we've we've been talking about all that. So what today's podcast really focuses on actually is a little bit of a departure from all of that, uh, because I've been getting a lot of questions about college, and so I just wanted to kind of maybe this may end up being a couple episodes, but we'll have to see. But I just thought, you know, I've been getting so many questions about that and I've been getting into so many discussions with whether it's, you know, some of my friends or just people talking to me or reaching out to me or or on on Facebook or on the blog in different places. And so I thought, you know, it might be worth, you know, actually addressing it. Um, Especially because, interestingly enough, you may or may not know this, but April 25th is Take Our Daughters and Sons to Work Day. So it's kind of the one day every year when our children can experience in person the our work world, you know, or the work world of a mentor. 
And so one of the things that's fascinating is this year, more young people than ever are showing an interest in learning the trades. And frankly, there's a pretty good reason for that. You know, one of the things that may or may not be aware of uh, is is just this idea of why, well, it's, it's actually really more of a question. And, it, and the question is, why does higher education cost so much money when it produces such poor results? For example, you know, the, the American Academy of Scholars, they, they, they researched this and found that only 31% of college graduates can read and understand a complex book. Um, illiteracy among college graduates is, is at an all-time high, right? And, and it's kind of an unbelievable thing because the quality of higher education is plummeting and the cost is skyrocketing. So just to throw some numbers at you to give you maybe a little bit of context. So uh, according to some statistics, uh, can't talk. It's kind of a tongue twister there. According to statistics compiled by the College Board and the Bureau of Labor, okay, from 1960 to 2005, the national cost of tuition increased by 320%. But the consumer price index rose by only 196% during the same period. And one of the things that uh, a recent Forbes article noted, well, it was from 2018, but they were noting that college tuition is actually increasing almost eight times faster than wages. And we've now reached a point where we have about $1.5 trillion in college loans outstanding, and the average borrower owes about 37 grand. Now, when you kind of let those numbers sink in a little bit, uh, you may think, well, but it's, it's really worth it. Okay. Let me just give you an example from the University of Pennsylvania. Okay, this is a, a private research university located in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. It's one of the elite schools, as you know, it's one of the uh, colonial colleges. It's a member of the Ivy League. It's the fourth oldest institution of higher education. So it's you know, it's got a lot of pedigree. In other words, it was originally founded by Benjamin Franklin in 1740, right? And so it's one of 14 founding members of the Association of American Universities. So again, I'm just trying to establish here, this is a legitimate uh, college of supposedly high quality, of, of impeccable pedigree, etc. Well, in 1900, tuition and fees for the University of Pennsylvania was $3,880. Now that's measured in $2,010, okay? So that's kind of how we're measuring it. And so this is how we're um, comparing apples to apples because everything is converted into $2,010. So by 1950, the cost had risen to $5,600 in $2,010, right? And then by 2010, the price had soared to $42,098. Now, just think about that. So between 1900 and 1950, tuition only increased by 44%. But from 1950 to 2010, tuition increased by an astronomical 652%. And if you go all the way back to 1900 and you compare 1900 to 2010, and again, you're, you're comparing it in 2010 dollars, that number jumps up to 985%. 
is anyone seriously going to tell me that the, the quality of education at the University of Pennsylvania has improved 985% by 1900? And so it's kind of a, it's kind of an interesting thing. There was another article in Forbes, um, also from 2018, um, and they were noting that there was a, uh, a report published by Burning Glass and the Strata Institute that found that 43% of recent college graduates are underemployed in their first job out of college, meaning that they have a degree that means they should be making a certain amount of money and should be able to step into a certain job, but they are having to go below that, both below in terms of what supposedly they're qualified for and also below that in terms of wages. Now, a lot of that has to do with the lack of quality that they're getting in, in a degree, but we'll touch on that in a minute. But the bottom line is, whatever employment opportunities a college degree is supposed to offer had better become a lot more lucrative like yesterday. Because in order to justify these astronomical increases, it better be producing a lot better, especially if you're borrowing tens of thousands of dollars and and so what what's happening is is in a lot of cases you know the average is thirty seven thousand, but there's a lot of people that owe a lot more than that, and so college is very quickly becoming a mortgage sized debt without the house. Uh, in fact, Popular Mechanics they published an article in two thousand nineteen that that recommended a profitable and practical alternative, the trades, because the trades offer young people an opportunity to learn while they earn right. It allows them to complete their college degrees in a less conventional but debt-free manner at company expense and over time. Now, if they actually need that college degree, at least they're getting that degree in the field that they're, they're going to use it in. The vast majority of people that have a college degree right now are not using that degree in the field they're currently in. So again, we're trying to answer the question, is a college degree worth it? I don't know. I'm not going to tell you one way or the other. I'm just going to kind of point these things out. Now, if you've ever had a plumber or an electrician or somebody do construction around your house, you know, <laughs> because you've got the service invoices to prove it, that actually the trades pay rather well. Okay. Um, and I think one of the things that's important is we need to, we need to start uh, de-shaming the trades. You know, in fact, maybe we should call it a skill for which others are willing to pay a lot of money because that's pretty much what it is. All skill development is valuable. Let me just tell you something that this is borne out over time. The marketplace pays for value. The more valuable you become, the more skills you have, the more value you add to the marketplace, the more the marketplace is going to pay you. That's just how it works. You know, the, the thing is, is that, and, and the possibilities are, are kind of endless. You know, I was a high school teacher for 14 years. So, and I was a history teacher. So my favorite stories definitely tend to be kind of uh, historical stories, okay? Now, one of my favorite blue collar stories concerns the youngest son of 15 siblings. He was born to a working class father. He's only able to attend school for a couple years. His options as a teenager were were pretty limited. So he apprenticed to his older brother in a print shop 
which was a kind of messy blue collar job at that time. So working in this trade helped him to master communication, uh, business management, politics, and human nature. He goes on to publish uh, several influential newspapers and books, and then eventually he franchised his printing business to a number of other cities. At the age of 42, he became wealthy enough from all these different enterprises that he was able to dedicate the rest of his life to his country and to inventing many innovations that we still have around to this day. His name? Benjamin Franklin, one of America's most beloved founding fathers. And, and honestly, I'm firmly convinced if he were still around and he were still running his print shop, he would gladly welcome all of these young visitors. They're going to be going to, um, they're going to be going to take our daughters and sons to to work day here on on the 25th, and he would share with them what had so profoundly changed the direction of his own life, and that's the value of a career in the trades. Now, sometimes people think that I'm anti college. I am not anti-college. I I promise you I am not, but I am very much pro do whatever you need to do in order to pursue where your passion and your skill set merges. Okay. Now, if you, for example, want to be a doctor, a lawyer, engineer, something along those lines, yes, there's really no getting around the fact that you need a college degree. But I'm sorry, you know, there's people and I don't mean to be harsh about this, but there's people that are going and they're paying money to get a degree in business. That does not make any sense to me. Because honestly, what is that professor going to tell me that I can't Google? Whatever theory, whatever idea, whatever speculation, whatever textbook that he's going or she is going to uh, teach out of, I can look that up. I don't need them. I don't need somebody to teach me a bunch of theories. Now, if you've run a successful business, if you've got a million dollars in your bank account, well, I'm going to be sitting in the front row with my notebook open, ready to sh- to write down whatever you say. But unless you have success in business, I'm sorry, I can't learn anything from you. You have nothing to teach me. Now, I don't mean to be harsh about that, but that's just the truth. You have nothing to teach me unless you've already run a successful business theories I can learn on my own. And so, you know, when you kind of, when you kind of look at, at some of these things, you just, you just have to kind of think them all the way through, you know, and, and honestly, when you think about, okay, what exactly does having a college degree do for you? I guess it depends on who you ask, but apparently not much. Uh, Richard Vetter is a distinguished professor emeritus of economics at Ohio University. He's also the director of the Center of College Affordability and Productivity. He's an adjunct scholar at the American Enterprise Institute, and he's a former uh, economist with Congress's Joint Economic Committee. So he took a look at the Bureau of Labor Statistics, and um, he found some pretty disturbing numbers. So this is from 2012. So this is a few years back. But in 2012, the U.S. labor force had 481,206 customer service representatives, 341,410 secretaries and administrative assistants, accepting legal, medical, and executives, 323,223 waiters and waitresses, 207,665 executive secretaries and executive administrative assistants, 
136,305 receptionists and information clerks, 115,520 janitors and cleaners, 107,546 laborers and freight stock and material movers, 83,028 bartenders, 80,240 heavy and contractor trailer drivers, 78,000 landscaping and groundskeeper workers, 73,124 carpenters. I'm going to go on. And all of, and there's 61,406 amusement uh, and recreation attendants, 56,959 food preparation workers, 55,933 construction laborers, 52,326 telemarketers, 42,755 postal service mail carriers, 40,967 electricians, 38,903 hotel, motel, and resort desk clerks, 26,879 flight attendants, and 16,138 parking lot attendants, all with at least a bachelor's degree. Some of them had a master's degree. But again, I know that I just kind of strang, ran off this long list of numbers. Even people are kind of like, oh, wow, I'm already snoozing. But here's the thing. The reason I did that, it was just to sort of emphasize the point. There are a lot of people in the labor force who have a college degree or more, and that's what they're doing. Now, look, I'm not, I'm not trying to, to shame anybody. I'm not trying to judge anybody because you know what? There's absolutely nothing wrong with honest work, and all of that is honest work. But there is something wrong with people squandering their potential. And I'm just going to tell you that I, I can't believe anyone would seriously suggest that those 2.4 million people who attended college for an average of six years took on an average student loan debt of $37,000 are finding professional fulfillment in the jobs listed above. That's what underemployment looks like. People did not go 37 grand in debt on average so they could get jobs like that. Again, there's nothing wrong with these jobs but that's not what you went to college for, right? And, and you know, when you look at the overall picture, 54% of recent college graduates are either unemployed or underemployed. And so one of the things that, of course, the, the educrats will, will always come back with is this oft-quoted and I think very misleading statistic. Well, over time, college graduates earn more than non-graduates. But here's the thing. Even the high school students who are fully qualified to attend college are increasingly unlikely to derive enough professional benefits to justify the six-figure cost in six years on average that it takes to graduate. And, and here's the thing. Can these ivory tower elites seriously be suggesting that bright, motivated, college-bound, quote-unquote, students with advantageous family connections owe the income difference to college? Look, it's precisely the characteristics that qualify them to attend college in the first place that improve their employment prospects, not the degree they earn. Yes, perhaps, perhaps a degree gets you in the door. But trust me, I have enough friends that work in human resources. The degree does not keep you in the door if you are incompetent. So it, in the end, in the end, it's really more about figuring out what is your true, what is your true design? I, I like, I, I really love uh, Ken Robinson. You may or may not be familiar with him. He's sort of a, an educational guru, but he wrote a great book called The Element. 
and he talks about where where people that that our role should be personalizing education so that we help our students discover where their passion and their skill set merges, right? And then cultivate that and equip them to pursue it. Well, if you're doing that and you're not having to go into debt to accomplish that, you actually have an opportunity that most people don't have. See, most people graduate from college and they pretty much have to take whatever job they can get because now they have to pay back the student loan, right? So it's a little bit different. It's a little bit different now. It's a lot, it's a lot more challenging. You don't necessarily always get to pick what you want to do. A lot of times you just sort of do whatever you have to do because you got bills to pay. And so if you didn't have that debt, well, you could afford to work for less money while you're apprenticing somewhere, but you could actually develop solid marketable skills that the marketplace again would pay you for. The more value you bring to the market, the more you get paid. It doesn't matter what field you're in. Now, yeah, it may take you a little while to break in. It may take you, you might have to work your way up, but look, nobody's entitled to a corner office uh, from day one. You, you work your way into the positions you acquire. And and so I think one of the one of the things that I, I guess in answering this question is is just simply that question has to be answered individually. There is there is no blanket answer that you can say one way or the other. You can't say everybody should go to college. You can't say everybody shouldn't go to college. The answer is somewhere in between. And I think that as, as parents, you are the best equipped to sit down with your kid, try to help them really figure out where that, you know, like Ken Robinson talked about the element, you know, I, I spoke of a moment ago, figure out what their element is and then help them step into that. And, and again, if it does require a college degree, okay, that's what it takes. Fine. But, you know, What's happened is we've been sold a line that the college degree is somehow, you know, like Willy Wonka's golden ticket and, and it's just going to open up all these opportunities. It, no, it doesn't. And, and what's sad is, you know, even in this recent scandal with all these people paying to get their kids into school, and by the way, these are just the parents that got caught. These aren't the first parents to do this. Um, but what's going on there is it, it just shows you how um, distorted our thinking has become that we're, we're willing to make such compromises in our characters and in our integrity to get our kids into school because we think that's their ticket. And the sad part is that it wasn't. That wasn't going to help them anyway. What would have helped them were their connections. What would have helped them were all the people they knew. Not, not that they, oh, you've got a degree from SC. Now all of a sudden the doors of opportunity are opening for you. The doors of opportunity were opening for them because of their family connections, because of their family money, not because they they somehow had this this thing, you know, that they were just such brilliant students. So you've really got to when you when you look at how much college costs, when you look at what it's doing, you, uh, the parent, have to sit down with your your child and really figure out if this makes sense. Because the good news is there are tons and tons and tons of options out there. It isn't like, oh gosh, there's either college or a life of destitution and poverty. No, actually, <laughs> I think I shared this uh, earlier, but I'll, I'll repeat it. 
um, I have quite a few friends that they they didn't go to college. A few of them didn't even finish high school, but they a lot of them went into the trades and there's a lot of them that are making a lot more money than I ever did with my college degree and with my secondary degree. That that hasn't <laughs> that hasn't put the money in in the bank account for me. Um, they're all doing very well and good for them. They're very good at what they do. They should get well they they should be well paid. So anyways, all of this to say, you just got to really think about what is best for you, what works for you, and if it makes sense for you. And then trust your decision. You are, again, the number one expert on your own child. No one knows them better. No one's more committed to their success. No one loves them more than you do. Well, listen, thank you so much for listening in. There are literally hundreds and thousands of podcasts out there. You chose to listen to ours. You chose to give us your time. We are so grateful for that. Please check out our website, pk4l.com, for more resources. And please click on the link in the show description if you haven't already and download your free ebook, Building an Emotionally Safe Home, as our gift to you. So remember, we are with you every day every step of the way. Until tomorrow, have a great day.